Welcome back into Financial Matters with Richard Oring. I am John Jagay, joined by Richard Oring from New Century Financial Group. Rich, great to be with you, and we've got a guest today. We do. I have Xavier Angel from our office. He's located in New Orleans. He joined our firm what, three years ago, Xavier? Right before COVID started? Yeah, go, go on uh, January 2020 is when I joined the firm. And Rich, since I lived down there for three years, I'll save Xavier the trouble and tell you that it's New Orleans, and only tourists call it New Orleans. Thank you for that one. When I keep visiting, maybe I'll eventually start saying it that way. So Xavier joined us right when COVID started, and that was a great start. You got to um, transition your book of business and then take some time off working at home and gradually growing your business when, you know, after March and the market started recovering. It was perfect. Perfect timing. I mean, everyone was at home, you know, beginning in March. Everyone wanted to have those conversations. So it made it a lot easier to just jump on a Zoom call and start having these Zoom uh, meetings with everyone. And what's really nice is Xavier joined us and just fit right in like his business model, my business model. Right. And I think part of that, Rich, was just the culture that New Century Financial Group had. It was a culture where it was all inclusive. I mean, if you look at the diversity of the firm, it just made it a, a very smooth and easy transition to become a part of. So I enjoyed being there, the family atmosphere and just working with everyone there. Well, I'm really excited. The topic of today's podcast is addressing financial literacy in the Black community. And Xavier is a Black financial advisor. And Xavier and I, we've been working on the notes for this podcast for a while. And he was excited about this. You know, Black History Month, let's do it, Rich. Let's start recording. So I'm glad we're finally here and we're doing it. I'm excited as well, Rich. Um, This gives us an opportunity to talk about the income gaps and the inequalities between black household and white households. Um, And one of the things that I wanted to get from this was, where do we go? How do we begin to correct this with uh, future generations? What can future generations begin to do so that they can close those gaps? Savior, I think my first question for you with that in mind is before we can address solutions, the first question is, how did we get here? What are some of the factors that go into how we ended up with such a discrepancy between black and white households? That's a great question. If we look at some of the national poverty rates um, within the African-American and black communities, I started doing some research going back to 2019. So if we look at 2019, roughly 20% of black households are below the poverty line. 16% of Latinx families are below the poverty line compared to 9% of white households that are below the poverty line. Wow. I think that's a great place to start. The average white household's wealth is about eight times greater than the black household here in the United States. And those numbers are based off of the Federal Reserve numbers. So when we talk about how did we get there, you know, there's a couple things. Um, Systematic inequalities, which were prevalent, um, a lack of financial literacy. You know, if I look at my grandparents, they didn't have anyone talking to them about saving monies, um, about retirement plans, sure, about debt. No one was out there speaking to them about that. Then we have to look at the high default rates um, on some of the student loans that are out there. You know, I came out of school, graduate of Loyola, Chicago. I came out owing just over $100,000 in student loans. Mm -hmm. So how do we tackle that loans? And and I think no one was, again, speaking to families of color um, regarding that. And I think one of the big ones is employment discrimination. If we look at the medium household incomes 
a white household, the medium uh, household income is about $76,000. In your Hispanic household, um, it's $56,000. And then in your black households, it's at $45,000. Wow. There's a huge discrepancy between uh, what different households are making within the United States. And we talked a little bit about this prior to. So even though those black households have less income than other households within the United States, two thirds of the black households uh, donate to organizations and charities and churches throughout the United States. We donate and, and I say we as a black financial advisor. So in the community, we're donating about eight percent more than what white households are donating. Xavier. I'm just curious, your own upbringing with your parents, like in our household, you know, we talk about charity all the time. It's part of our religion. We call it sadaka, like giving back without asking for anything back, like recognition or anything like that. Was this something your parents taught you at an early age? Absolutely. Giving back to our high schools, giving back to our HBCUs, because without them, I wouldn't be where I am today. Uh, where my grandfather and my uncles went to HBCUs. They went to black high schools here in, in New Orleans. And without that foundation, I wouldn't have the education that I have. Um, so we're consistently giving back so that they can help others behind us to have the same opportunities that I had. And just to jump in for a second, for anybody listening that doesn't know the term HBCU, historically black college and university, right? Correct. Xavier, I think that's probably one of the reasons why we got along right away. I think, you know, we talked about religion, but we also talk about the community where we do. You know, my wife and I, we have a nonprofit. She runs Feeding Seniors in Need for Breakfast. And I know you're very active on a lot of community boards. And I think that's probably one of the reasons why we got along so well. We talked about that a lot. It brings, you know, as I mentioned before, that inclusiveness and being able to work with someone who we have similar backgrounds in, in what we're doing in a community and how we approach giving. Um, we don't expect anything in return, but we want to help those other people that don't have the same opportunities as ourselves. And that's one of the reasons. I'm going to include a video of the founder of Home Depot talking about how every store and employees trained about giving back to the community. It's an amazing story, and there's a reason why the public doesn't know about it. On the show notes, I'm going to include that. Excellent. You know, I want to jump in for a second because sometimes having one thing in common with a person can really connect you. So, for example, Rich and I are of the same religion. We connected over that. Both of you donate and give back to your communities. You connected over that. Xavier, when somebody walks into your office, a person of color walks into your office, is it there's sort of like this connection of like, hey, this person looks like me and understands some of the same things I've been through. And can that help get the conversation going when a new client comes in to see you? Absolutely. You know, we have those conversations to where um, I can relate uh, where someone is from and, and they can relate where I started. You know, one of the things that I tell people is I didn't start in the financial services industry. I'm a job changer. I got started in this career after having, you know, a four year career in, in the engineering field. And whether you're white, black, Hispanic, Latino, we can have those conversations about how I got to where I was and what my past experiences were when it comes to debt and savings. And all of that helps us to build that relationship together. So, Xavier, now that we know there is an issue, how do we change? How do we educate? You know, what do we do? We've got to start teaching 
individuals on how to be informed, um, how to make effective uh, financial decisions. And I think that starts with working with a financial planner. You know, you and Jag had the conversation um, in, in one of your previous podcasts, what does a financial planner do? And you use that term coach. And I loved it when I heard that because that's exactly what we are. We're working with our clients um, to build that strategy that's going to help them to move forward. And we're constantly working with them. It's not just sitting down now and not talking to them later. I believe through that financial planning process, it's not the plan that we give them, but it's having those conversations so that sometimes those solutions, they're coming up with their own solutions as we talk through different scenarios, whether it be the investment side or the insurance side or the tax planning side. Um, So I think that's one of the most powerful things that individuals can do. Work with the financial advisor so that you're learning how to make those effective financial decisions. I think one of the issues is getting the person in the door to talk about the issues and get them on the right track. We have another advisor. Um, her name is Tiffany Jones with our group. Um, she's a lady of color, northern part of New Jersey. Her husband left a job to start a consulting firm, but one of the things he did was he had a, a desire to start educating in the low-income Black communities on you know, financial literacy and start programs. So I guess the biggest thing is getting the word out there. Go make appointments with financial advisors. Xavier, you know, while we were prepping and doing a lot of the research for this podcast, I noticed that there was a few professional organizations for black financial advisors. So there's got to be a big demand for black advisors to get together, brainstorm and figure out how to get what they know out to the communities. There definitely are. And as financial planners and financial advisors across the country, we're working to come together to have those conversations and find ways that we can get into the communities where people haven't um, historically had an advisor and a planner work with them. So that is a big push throughout the country with several of the different organizations that are there. I know at New Century Financial Group, that's one of the things that we're working towards is Let's reach out, let's touch some of the communities, work with them, begin to work with them on uh, debt, uh, how to reduce debt, how to make our money work for us, build flexibility accounts, otherwise known as emergency funds. Um, So those are some of the things that we're out there doing. We talked last night. I can't put myself in your shoes. Mm -hmm. I could put myself in the shoes I currently wear because I know what it's like to be discriminated as a Jewish person, but not as a black person. I asked you a question. I said about discrimination or being prejudged. I said to you, if someone came into your office from Alabama, his name was Bubba, and you didn't say anything to him, you already have some things in your mind, maybe, because we all have some built-in, unfortunately, prejudices. We're smart enough to know that they're wrong. And I mentioned like my wife going to an auto body shop, and she got quoted this ridiculous amount of money. And I went to the same auto body shop myself with a different person, <laughs> And it was like two thirds lower. And I said to you, does that happen to you as a black man going and do they look at you different or try to take advantage of you, assuming you don't know? It happens all the time. Um, I'll give you an example. Um, I work with an, an individual now. Um, she's in her mid to late 60s. When we first met seven years ago, uh, she had mentioned to me that she had met with a bunch of financial advisors and 
everyone automatically thought and made the assumption that she didn't have money because she didn't come into their office flashy. Um, her car was 11 years old when she pulled up, and she just didn't get the service that someone else would have gotten. Well, when I started working with her, she walked into the office. She saved everything in her retirement accounts, hmm. and she had over $700,000 in these accounts that she was looking for someone to sit down with her, uh, work with her, be that coach, guide her, and, and keep her accountable. So it happens on a regular basis in the black community. Xavier, a moment ago, you were talking about some of the financial one-on-one stuff you talk to clients about, which is having that emergency savings fund, you know, something goes wrong with your car, having that flexibility, things like that, building that solid financial foundation. And as you said, being a coach, what are some of the other points you tend to hit on with clients, black, white, red, green, blue, purple, that really have to do with financial literacy here? As you mentioned, it's across the board. These are things for everyone. You know, when we start talking about that flexibility fund, um, save between 10 and 20% of your annual income. Let's look at ways to begin living within your financial means. Mm -hmm. Stop living for today and and let's plan for tomorrow and build wealth. Let's manage spending. Uh, The other thing that I wanted to point out was begin thinking about investing. If you have not started investing, begin thinking about investing. I'll go back to a 2019 study. Only 33.5% of black households uh, own stocks. Hmm. That's somewhere where we need to begin looking at uh, educating. And and again, not just in the black community, everyone. But let's start um, investing. Talk to your advisor. Talk to your, your planner. They'll be able to work with you to find out what the right mix for you is and what the right place to go. It sounds like um, with that 33.5% number, it sounds like a lot of people aren't participating in their retirement plans at work. Correct. And I think it goes back to financial literacy. Xavier, um, a lot of my clients have been referring me or they're, they're calling themselves because we all know interest rates are going to be going up. And they're concerned about maybe the last chance of buying a new home with a low rate or refinancing. And, you know, there's certain things we prep before they file an application for a loan. Do you want to mention that? Because I'm sure you're having the same phone calls with your clients. I am. Home ownership is, is powerful. And I think what we need to know is what is our buying power? And by that, I mean, we need to obtain uh, credit reports, review those for any inaccuracies uh, that may be on there. Xavier, I actually, for myself and my wife, it's like $19 a month and we get alerts if something shows up. We get a weekly update of credit scores going up and down. So monitoring your credit report is really easy now with the software out there you can just pay for. I mean, I think everyone should be doing that. And even beyond that, Rich, there are sources like freecreditreport.com out there that you can get your credit report for free. And I know certain companies have waived fees during the course of the year. If there is something inaccurate in your credit report that is going to harm your credit, and to your point, Xavier, harm your ability to get a loan for a car, a loan for a house, anything at all, you want to make sure that you fight that and get rid of it if it's not true. You, why should you handicap yourself for something that's not accurate? One of the things that I, that I think a lot of people don't realize is those credit reports, not only does it damage your opportunity to purchase a home or, or to buy a car, but it affects auto insurance. Yeah. If you have a low score, it could jack up your auto insurance. I've lived in New Orleans. Auto insurance down there is not cheap, even if you have good credit. I just want to clarify one thing. That's a state rules. I know where I live in Pennsylvania, it used to be that way. And now they don't use credit report for 
insurance rates. But I will add one more thing. When you're applying for certain jobs, they pull credit reports. Sure. So it's powerful. And Rich, you and I were talking earlier about younger uh, people who have just started their careers, you know, that 23, 24, 25 year old. That's one thing that I preach to them is make sure you're checking it. Don't go get the credit card and just spending and live outside of your means. Make sure you, you begin paying back those student loans rather than continually pushing them back and not paying those student loans. I think all young adults um, should sit down with a financial planner and start working with them. Xavier, if you could, would you please step into my time machine and tell 20-year-old me all of these things? I really wish I had known that a couple of decades ago. Well, Jag, out of fairness, probably about a year ago, you and I recorded a podcast all about credit reports and scores and what to look for and the different ones and the new credit rating what just came out. Absolutely. Go back and check that previous episode. There you go. I think it would do a, a lot of benefit to people. Again, at New Century Financial Group, part of what we're doing is we've got to push, you know, let's go out there and, and start working with these young adults and helping them to build wealth. What can you do? How do you go about doing it? Well, working with that planner is going to help you to lay down that strategy or that roadmap. Again, you going back to you guys' uh, podcast, that GPS. Mm -hmm. So that GPS is going to help you to get to those goals. That was our last episode he's talking about. Those are some of the things that you want to take a look at. And no matter who you are, what race, what culture you are, definitely reach out. Um, talk to a financial planner, financial advisor, and begin building those strategies so that you can have that wealth. Xavier, on our last episode, it was talking about why everyone should have a financial advisor. And one of the things I mentioned is that a lot of people think financial planning is for the wealthy. They don't realize you can have nothing and still benefit from using a financial advisor. Do you want to talk about how you offer and, and you know, honestly, it's the firm, how they offer financial planning and explain how it's affordable and I know that you and I are very similar, that if someone comes to us and they don't have a lot of money, that our passion is to help and we would accommodate. Mm -hmm. Do you want to kind of talk about how you offer financial planning? Because I encourage anyone listening to this podcast, and definitely if you want to work with a financial advisor who is Black and who understands some of the issues you had, reach out to Xavier. I mean, I know it's my podcast. I love getting business, but I love Xavier. I know he's great. We work as a team. And I encourage people, except for my existing clients, um, to call him um, <laughs> and make an appointment. I mean, Xavier, talk about initial uh, meeting charges and things like that, because I know you don't charge them. Right. <laughs> the initial meeting that we sit down, we're getting to know each other, you know, getting to know what your situation is, who you are, uh, if we're a right fit. If we are a right fit, then we start moving forward. Financial planning is there is a fee to go with it, and that fee is going to be determined on where you are in the country. New Jersey is going to be different from what Louisiana is. But you are typically looking at anywhere from $2,000 to $10,000 is what it costs for a financial advisor. Our job is to help you to be that coach, and, and I stress coach because that's what we are. You know, We're working with you to build that strategy. We're looking at everything. What are your goals? Uh, where do you want to be in a five-year time period? Where do you want to be in 15 or 20 years? And we're going to help you and build that and work with you on a daily basis. We're not here just for this year, but we're going to be here with you in two, five, and 10 years down the line. You know, Xavier, um, one of the things when we set up our financial planning, um, you know, we did this about two years ago. We restructured how we charge for financial plans. It used to be we would charge you an upfront fee, half of what it costs, and then you would pay the rest 
at the delivery of the plant. And we didn't like that model because they would pay for a plan one time. And the reality is once we deliver that plan and we budgeted so much fuel a month, whatever, and you turn left to go to the restaurant instead of making right, and you spend extra money after hmm. our meeting, that plan's not as accurate. So we decided to go on what we call subscription-based planning, where instead of paying all that money up front, it's a monthly fee. So it's affordable for everyone. I find a lot of individuals enjoy that or like that better than paying it up front and then coming back at the end and paying a lump sum. When we manage assets, we charge a management fee. We have to work for our fee every day. Sure. If you're not happy, we're not meeting expectations, we get fired. Same thing with a financial plan. If we're not delivering you value on what you're paying for, you fire us. Unlike other firms who are going to charge you more on the first year, and then they're going to charge you probably three quarters each year to update the plan the one time. Whereas our subscription base, it's more affordable. You pay for what kind of services you're going to get. You know, I'm not going to give ranges because of the state differences. Previous podcasts, I talked about that for New Jersey, but it's affordable for everyone. I don't care if you are in debt and you need to figure out how to pay off your debt. There's strategies for that. We're not going to charge you $2,000 for debt planning. It'll probably be a lower plan, but as you progress and you need more financial planning and make tougher decisions, having a coach on your side to guide you in those decision-making is priceless. Absolutely. Everyone needs a coach, you know, whether you're Tiger Woods, you know, you've got a coach for your golf swing. He's stealing my quotes now. Uh, I know. <laughs> <laughs> LeBron James, one of the greatest basketball players of history. He's got a coach. He's had someone that's worked with him to get him to where he is. Michael Jordan, you know, no matter who it is, we have these coaches so that they're going to help us and work with us uh, to be able to get where we are. So are you saying my Philadelphia Eagles needs a new coach? Uh, you know, yes. Hey, we just <laughs> we, we just got one here in New Orleans. So the Saints now have a new coach. So we're, we're excited. You know, I, I want people to understand that don't be afraid when you hear a subscription you know, because it's worth it. It's worth having someone sit down and have those conversations with you and work with you to build that plan. Don't just shun it away or walk away from it. So I'm going to take Jag's um, part of the podcast. I'm going to say this time, you went over a lot of things, Xavier. If someone wants to reach out to you, how can they contact you? You shoot me an email, Xavier, X-A-V-I-E-R, at plan-wisely dot com. That's Xavier at plan-wisely.com. Send me an email. Would love to hear from you guys. And again, if you want to reach out to New Century Financial Group, you can actually get use this contact information to get a hold of myself or Xavier. He has another phone number which goes through my office and it's the same number for me. It's 609-924-2049. My direct extension is 126 and Xavier's direct extension is 505. Last thing I'll leave you with, gentlemen, Xavier, since I spent a few years down in New Orleans, I'll let you know we're recording this on February 9th. My Randazzo's King Cake is on the way in the mail, so I'm waiting for that to enjoy here in a couple of days. <laughs> Xavier, when we had dinner about two months ago, we stopped at Jag's favorite place, and I stood outside and took a picture and sent it to him, thinking I was going to make him jealous, until he sent me pictures back that he was in Hawaii. <laughs> Ha, 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 ha.
But I love going down there because everyone who knows me knows that I love food. Most people who work with me know that my original background was in the restaurant business. So anytime I get to go try different regional cuisines, it's a really nice treat for me. You could eat your way through New Orleans in a month and still not get through half of it. I have a lot of places I didn't hit in the three years I was there. (laughs) Xavier Rich, great stuff today, even if you stole my closing line, Rich. Pleasure to have you both on. We'll talk again soon. Thank you. And thank you, Xavier, for coming. And Jag, it's always a pleasure. Thank you guys for having me. Richard Waring's branch office is One Airport Place, Princeton, New Jersey, 08540. The branch phone number is 609-924-2049. Securities offered through Royal Alliance Associates, Inc., member FINRA, SIPC. Advisory services offered through New Century Financial Group, LLC, a registered investment advisor not affiliated with Royal Alliance Associates, Inc. New Century Financial Group, LLC, and Royal Alliance Associates, Inc. does not offer tax advice or tax services. Please consult your tax specialist for individual advice. We make no specific comments or recommendations on any tax-related details.